0: You're listening to a Sunday morning message from Glory Day Lutheran Church in Houston, Texas. Thanks for joining in. For more information about Glory Day and next steps you can take with us, check out gdlc.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at gdlchouston. I got a lot to cover this morning, so just hang on there. Just hang in there. Uh, we're going we're gonna to cover a lot. How about that? Uh, so I'm just going to jump right in and ask you to turn to Mark chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you're using the Bibles in front of you, it's on page 840. And I want to remind you that life is full of interruptions. Some are good, some are not so good, and some are actually pretty doggone tragic. Every one of us deals with crises in our life and and different storms. But as we're looking at Mark chapter 5, I want to remind you how Mark chapter 4 ended. Remember, Jesus was in the middle of a storm. And he heard the disciples, and they they were frantic. They were afraid. They were filled with great fear because the boat was about to capsize. And there was Jesus in the bottom of the boat or in the stern taking a nap. And as they woke Jesus up, and they in their panic and frantic said, Don't you care if we even die? And Jesus calmed the wind, the waves, and then they got even more scared. And so remember how we talked about the book of Mark? Where we're setting up a picture of who Jesus is. The first part of Mark is answering the question: who is he? And so Keep your place there, Mark chapter 5, but turn to the beginning of Mark, verse 1. The folks on the screen don't have, the slides don't have this one, so don't panic up there. This makes everybody take their Bibles out. I just want to make sure that you get that opportunity to do so and not just use the screen. So Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Remember how we started this. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Oh, looky there. They put it up there for me. Oh, they're so good. Mark is a book about beginnings, a book about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. But if we're talking about the beginning of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, the Son of God. And so all through these next chapters, you you see how the gospel of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed through the Son of God, through Jesus himself, that he is the good news. And you're going to see how that is playing out, that even the wind and the waves obey him. And so in that context, you see how the disciples uh, were living in fear while they should have had faith. I think it's a great picture of how we struggle in our lives every time we're faced with interruptions. Because interruptions, if you're like a person who is so structured and you know exactly what you're going to do three days from now, this ice storm is really messing with you right now. And not being able to know what's going to happen Tuesday or Wednesday or this COVID stuff, man. And so we look at the, the healing this morning. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Mark chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 21. And there's, there's two miracles here. The healing of, of the daughter of Jairus and the healing of the woman with hemorrhage. And what's interesting is it's like a sandwich healing. So you got the start of Jairus' daughter, then you got this woman, then you got the closing of, of Jairus' daughter. And when, when Mark does that, there, there's, there's some things you got to pay attention to. He's linking these two stories together. He tells these two stories are connected. I want you to see some of the things in here. The story about healing the Jairus' daughter, she's 12 years old. The lady who was struggling with the issue of bleeding has been doing this for 12 years. So there's already a connection right there as well. And the focus, I believe, here is primarily on this, this official in the synagogue, Jairus. Because the primary of the focus on this dying daughter while this ailing woman is presented as a tragic, unnecessary interruption. And I want you to see through the eyes as we talk about this through the synagogue official, through the disciples, and also through the eyes of this woman how we can live in faith in spite of the fear around us. How we can have faith over fear. Or we can have faith while we're still struggling. Even when the circumstances of life seem to be working against us, or are still working their way out. So look at verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. I want to give you some context. Storm happened. They went to one side of the sea. Mark chapter 5 starts with of a demon-possessed man. Then he gets back in the boat, goes to the other side of the sea. It's like he's playing ping pong with the crowds because there's too many of them. He crossed the boat to the other side. A great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing Jesus, Jairus fell at his feet." Now let's find out, who's this Jairus guy? He's an official in the synagogue. He's one of influence, he's one of prestige. But he's not coming as a ruling official. He's coming to Jesus as his desperate father, seeking to spare the life of his critically ill child. And I want you to think about this. Here is this dad who in desperation is trying to get to Jesus because that's his last resort. And Jesus is on other side of the lake. Maybe Jairus already heard about him calming the wind and the waves, but that doesn't really matter to him because he's got to get Jesus here so he can go see his daughter. I can imagine that Jairus is standing there in front of the crowd waiting for Jesus to come, and he's kind of wringing his hands. Maybe he's pacing back and forth because this is a dad who is going to save his daughter. Every minute was critical, and there was the one who could help him was absent. And so as, as Jesus comes off the ship, I'm sure Jairus got his way there, fell at the feet of Jesus, imploring him to come quickly to help out his daughter who was on the verge of death. Mark graphically describes a pleading of this dad, and you can almost feel the intensity of the situation. I mean, I'm a dad, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect my little girls. They're not little anymore, but I still like to call them little. My baby girls, how about that? And my son. And so without delay, the, the Lord makes his way to the homeless, dying girl with a bunch of onlookers. Verse 23. Jairus implored Jesus earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with them. And a great crowd followed Jesus and thronged about him. Notice that Jairus calls his daughter, My little daughter. She's really not little anymore. She's 12 years old. And 12 years old, that culture is close to Marian age. But she's still a little daughter to him. Gospel Luke actually says in this account that it's his only daughter. As a parent, as a grandparent, man, this scene is a heartbreaker. This official is literally pleading for his daughter's life. And he's heard about Jesus and about his healing ministry And so he places his faith in the one who he knows can do this healing. Now, was he a believer in Jesus as the son of God? We don't know. But he had seen and heard that he'd been doing this thing all over Capernaum. And the crowd, man, some of them are there to be healed, some are there for the spectacle, some are there for the sideshow. And they're excited that Jesus is going to go to Jairus' house. Man, we get to see the dude in action. Verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, like just out of the blue. Jesus is going to Jairus' house. Jairus is going, all right, my daughter's going to get healed. This is great. Come on, Jesus, walk a little faster. Come on, you're going too slow. Come on, let's go. And then this woman shows up. Can you imagine how irritated Jairus must be? Can you imagine how irritated Jairus must be at the crowd? Y'all, he's going to my house to heal my daughter. Back off. The Bible's not specific about the women's ailment, but based on the Greek wording, it's generally thought this condition is to be caused from uterine cysts. And her condition is likely heavy enough to cause chronic anemia and severe pain. So I want to paint you another picture inside of this picture. Here's this lady not only suffering from a medical condition, but it also says she suffered much under many physicians. I looked at some of the early historians and some of the the church fathers about what. Uh, cures were back then and man the cure seems worse than the illness and so she tried everything to get well, she's gone to so many doctors over the years, she spent on everything she had to be cured so she's broke she's worse off than she was before, she's been dealing with this for 12 years Socially, she is going to be treated as a leper. Why? Because she's ceremonially unclean, and everything she touches is unclean. That's all based on Levitical law. So she's been an outcast for 12 years. She can't take part of any religious observances. She can't go to the temple and have a sacrifice to have her sins forgiven. She spent all her money on doctor bills, no relief, and she's got more pain She's tired, she's worn out, she's desperate. I have to believe there are people in this room and watching online right now who know exactly what she's feeling or have a sense of what she's feeling. Someone's alone. No one wants to be around her. She can't go out in public. She can't be hugged by her family. 12 years is a long time to be quarantined From people, hmm, I struggle with two weeks. 12 years, struggling with the same issue that the synagogue's daughter's been alive. But her life is being very, this lady's life is very different than the synagogue official ruler's daughter. Instead of being the beloved daughter of a respected official, she is destitute. She is a social pariah she's an outcast verse 27 she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said if I touch even his garments I will be made well huh there's faith there this unnamed woman I mean, think about her identity. We don't even know her name. We just know she's a woman who's been struggling with the issue of blood for 12 years. And just like Jairus, she's heard that this Jesus could heal people. Was she conditioned by her longtime rejection that she can't go ask Jesus herself? That she dare not approach him for a miracle? That her physical presence would defile him? I better not bother the master, she may have thought, if I just touch the hem of his garment. Again, I can't tell you the faith of this woman at this moment. All I know is that she believed that Jesus could heal. So much so, she reached out to touch his garment. And immediately, she was healed. Verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of this disease. She was so desperate, she did not care what other people were thinking. She didn't worry about Jairus, but she wasn't bold enough to go to him directly, to Jesus. Verse 29, Or sorry, I'm sorry. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, Dude, are you kidding me? That's kind of modern translation. Really? you see all the crowds around you? Really? We're gonna know who touched you? Are you kidding me? There's like a thousand of them are touching you right now. They said, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? cuz here's this think about this woman again she is ceremonially unclean she's rejected she's destitute she's isolated and now she's being called out she's been being she's been in the background now she's going to the forefront she's been living in fear her entire life she has faith enough to reach out to Jesus and now where is she back again back in fear oh no the jig is up Why did Jesus do that? I love what someone shared with me in my Bible class this morning. Because he wanted to look at her eyes. And he wanted to acknowledge her that she was not the destitute, the social pariah, the outcast that she believed she was. Verse 32. And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman knowing what had happened to her came in came in what? Came in fear. And trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And look how Jesus addresses her. Remember how Jairus addressed Jesus said my little daughter needs to be healed. And what does Jesus say to this woman, unnamed woman, whose identity is based on her medical condition? He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. (laughs) Daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Jairus has come to Jesus to plead for his own daughter. Now Jesus calls this woman daughter. As I read, this is the only time recorded in all the Gospels that Jesus ever addresses a woman as daughter. You see, her, her isolation, her uncleanness, her ceremonial uncleanness that kept her from receiving grace, has been removed from her. And it's traded in for healing and restoration. I think there's a great illustration for us as well. Do you realize there's so many things that plague us, that's what we struggle with, and we don't think we can bother the master. He's too busy. He won't listen to me. He's got too many other people to worry about. And so many times, oh, he won't know what I'm doing, or he doesn't know what I'm doing. And we live in guilt and fear and shame and you name it. And Jesus cries out to us, my child, I love you. I care about you so much so I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die your death. I'm going to rise again on Easter morn. And I'm going to show you that I am victorious through a sin, death, and the evil one. And I want you to stop living like that destitute. I want you to stop living in your fear. I want you to believe in me as the Savior of the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the beginning of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Back to verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking to this woman, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Wow, that can be rude right there. I mean, can you imagine Jairus' world? He finally got Jesus to follow him, to go to his daughter's house, his house to heal his daughter. This destitute, this outcast interrupts Jesus, loses precious time, and now his daughter is dead. Hope was gone. Verse 36. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not what? Do do, do not fear, but only only believe. Do, Do you see how faith and fear are oftentimes interconnected? You look at the disciples on the boat, they were filled with fear. They woke up Jesus. He calms the wind the waves, and they're filled with great fear. This lady comes to, to Jesus uh, fearful that she can even come to approach him personally. But somehow her faith, intertwined with her fear, reaches out to his garment. Jairus, his fear was so consuming. That he was so desperate, he finally had to reach out to Jesus in faith and say, Hey, my daughter's dead, but now that's even failed him. And Jesus says, gives us, gives Jairus, gives that lady, and I think us a, a lesson. Don't be afraid. His faith was faltering. It was through his faith in Jesus as the son of God that his daughter would be raised. Verse 37. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people wailing and weeping loudly. He pushes the crowd aside. Y'all can't have a sideshow. I'm taking my inner three disciples We're going to go to Jairus' house. He gets there, and this is a Middle Eastern grieving session going on. There's the weeping and the wailing. I mean, it is an intense scene. And then Jesus says this. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? This child is not dead but sleeping. And what they do? What I would have done, they laughed at him. So he put them all outside. He put them in timeout. I just love that. They can't watch this now. Put them all outside. They took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. She's only sleeping. The crowds laugh because they know death when they saw it. Such unbelief. So they were put outside. Verse 41. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kume. It's an Aramaic, so which is probably what would have been said to this child every morning by her mother. Which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was... 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. I want you to think about what Jesus does here. He commands two things: He says, Don't tell what I've done, and feed the poor girl. She's hungry. And I want you to hear about a lesson that we can take home from these two miracles. I'm going to invite the band back up as I share that with you. It's a lesson in divine delays. Maybe we might call them prayers that we've been praying for so long and God has not answered yet, yet, yes, yet. It's those times in our lives when we feel like our world is collapsing and God is lollygagging around up in heaven, totally unconcerned about our trials and tragedies in life, might I suggest to you that the delays in our life, while they may not be what we want, are still by divine design. Do you realize, I shared this this morning, this is so cool, that that girl, and it doesn't sound cool when you think it was a dad, that girl was given whatever it was when she was born so that this miracle would take place 12 years later. Do you realize that lady had that issue of of hemorrhaging blood for 12 years so these might be connected together, that Jesus might show he is the son of God, that he has authority over the heavens and the earth. You look at blind Bartimaeus. They ask the question, this guy sinned or was his parents or grandparents? And what did Jesus say? No, nobody sinned is that God would get the glory through this miracle. And so maybe, maybe, and, and this is hard, I'm telling you, it is hard. When we're struggling in life, and we're in the midst of a crisis, and we're anger, we're bitter, we're miserable, those are all symptoms of fear. And we're afraid what's gonna happen, afraid what's not gonna happen. And Jesus says to us, my son, my daughter, I love you, trust in me, believe in me, have faith in me. You see, Romans 8, 28 says in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean that all things happen to us are good, but in all things, God's still working. I wish it wasn't that way, but that's how God has designed it. And I can either live in fear or I can hold on and cling to him with faith and hope and trust that God has this. Man, you can apply that to COVID, you can apply that to politics, you can apply that to a loss in your life, you can apply that to the fear you're struggling with right now. Because everyone us on our boat, we're not on the same boat, but we're all facing storms. And there's Jesus, while the storm was above our heads. Jesus has his feet over that situation. And in this divine interruption, he allowed Jairus to interrupt his teaching. He allowed the woman to interrupt his healing for Jairus so that he might show his glory. Maybe there's a struggle in your life and you've been interrupted right now with a crisis one of my favorite verses is Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 where it says trust the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight what does that mean? Faith in spite of fear. Faith over fear. Faith in the midst of fear, in the midst of a crisis, when I really don't understand what God is doing. When life doesn't make sense, no matter the circumstances, God says my grace is sufficient. So I'll leave you with this verse. If you you don't have this verse memorized or underlined in, in, in your Bibles, you should do this. It's John 16, 33. John 16, says, I have said, I have told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. You will have troubles. You will have crises. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So are you going to have fear in your circumstance or faith in the one who can control all of creation? And so in the midst of a crisis, hear the words of Jesus saying to you, my son, my daughter, I love you. And in all things, I'm working for your good. So I ask you to trust in me, to have hope, to not give up, because I have overcome the world. God grant that to each of us, for Jesus' sake. To God alone be the glory. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope God used this time to turn your heart more towards Him. Be sure to check out Glory Day online at gdlc.org for next steps you can take, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at gdlc Houston as we help more people live life with Jesus every day.